gospel stories about healing, like the ones that we just heard, sometimes make me think of a family in the parish that I served in seminary. The parish, like us, had prayers for healing every Sunday, and every Sunday this wonderful married couple would bring his mother forward for healing. The mother was at that really angry and depressed stage of Alzheimer's, and she could barely walk. And so they would both basically be slowly and painfully carrying her up to the altar to pray for healing. And I'm not proud of this, but I remember thinking, why are they putting her through this? What do they hope is going to happen? Of course, God can do anything. Crazy, miraculous healings happen, unexpected, unexplained things happen every day. But realistically, I remember thinking, God probably isn't going to reverse the aging process. I remember thinking, what do they hope is going to change? And yet every week, slowly and painfully, they would bring her up that long aisle to the altar and they would pray for healing. The situation of the woman with hemorrhages in our gospel text wasn't much more hopeful. She tried everything that first century medicine had to offer. Mark said that she had endured much under many physicians for 12 years and nothing had helped. And who knows how many other rabbis and healers she had approached. It seemed like a hopeless situation. What did she really expect to happen that hadn't happened before? For that matter, what do we expect when we pray for healing, whether it's for ourselves or for someone we love? Is praying for healing a ridiculous thing to do? After all, most of the time, not much seems to happen in response to our prayers. What are we really doing? What are we hoping for when we pray for healing? Let's take the example of the woman with the hemorrhage. When she asked for healing, she probably wasn't hoping to be restored to a physically healthy existence as we understand it. They've done some research recently on burial sites from first century Palestine, and uh, the studies show that even those that were very wealthy, based on how they were buried, were still malnourished. Don't ask me how they figured this out, but some scholars estimate that at least 5% of people died from dental problems. And they also estimate that approximately 25% of the calories that people consumed came from alcohol. I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that's good. These factors, plus the terrible sanitation, all the insect-borne diseases, mean that most people probably felt at the best low-level sick all the time. So in reaching out to Jesus for healing, this woman probably wasn't expecting that Jesus would make her feel fantastic. Nobody felt fantastic. Even before her condition, she probably wouldn't have felt great. The pain caused by her actual illness was probably not her main problem. The bigger issue was that this kind of bleeding would have made her ritually impure. And while she was in that state of impurity, anyone or anything she touched would also become impure. 
Now, others who became impure could go through a ritual washing to be restored to community, but because the bleeding wouldn't stop, she could never re-enter community. This, combined with her poverty, probably meant total isolation. She had probably lost her friendships, her family, certainly her marriage. In addition, she might have felt a lot of guilt for being sick. The ancients, like us, assumed that diseases had causes. They assumed most of the time that diseases were caused by demons, evil spirits, or they believed that physical illness was caused by sin. Remember what Jesus' disciples asked him when they met a man who had been born blind. They said to him, Teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's just a going assumption that if you were sick or disabled, it was because something you had done something or your family had done something to deserve it. So she probably lived with a good deal of guilt and shame. For this woman, the healing of her physical condition was probably less important for its own sake. What really mattered was the chance to be restored to community, the possibility of having friends again, seeing her family, being freed from that weight of guilt and shame. And we can look at her story and say, well, weren't they ignorant and strange back then? We know so much more now. But really, we're not all that different. So much of the suffering associated with illness for for us doesn't come from the illness itself, but from the sort of mass of painful things that orbit around the illness. The illness itself is bad enough, but there's the isolation that being sick can cause. You can't go out and see friends. You don't have the energy to have people over. You don't really want to talk or see people. And when you do, the pain means that you're in a bad mood. You feel afraid, you feel physically awful, and so you withdraw from your spouse, your family. Maybe you lash out in anger. Maybe the fear and anxiety get overwhelming. And then there's the self-blame. If only I'd taken better care of myself, if only I'd done this or if I'd done that. There's guilt because your friends and your family have to take care of you. And then around illness, cracks begin to appear in even the closest families. Sometimes there are arguments about money, caretaking, old disagreements sort of pop back up. So there's this whole complex of problems and issues that start to surround the illness, and they create a sort of feedback loop. And often that whole set of problems around the illness can be almost as bad as the sickness itself. When we pray for healing, of course we're hoping for the healing of the physical issue. But the healing of those other problems is often just as important. Healing for isolation, for broken relationships, for guilt and shame, all those things. That's what we want when we pray for healing. And that's what the woman who reached out to Jesus wanted too. When you think about it, going to see Jesus was an impressive act of faith for her. She must have been disappointed so many times before. But she still believed if if she could just touch his clothes, she'd be well. So she manages surreptitiously to touch his cloak, and in that moment, she was physically healed, and the bleeding stopped. But that wasn't enough for Jesus. He sought out the person who touched him, and he looked at her face to face. He called her daughter. He recognized her, made eye contact with her, talked to her in a way that no one probably had for 12 years. He said, daughter, your faith has made you well. 
Jesus healed not only the core physical problem, but all those other problems that orbited around her illness. She was isolated and alone, and he established a relationship with her. He publicly declared her to be healed so that others knew that she was ritually pure again. He praised her faith in front of the crowd. He put off the healing of the daughter of a high-status synagogue leader in order to talk to her. Had to go a long way toward freeing her from self-blame. So she received two kinds of healing. Healing of her physical illness and a sort of spiritual and social healing as well. I don't know why God doesn't miraculously heal physical illness and injury more often. But God does heal. And now when I remember that couple bringing their mother forward Sunday after Sunday to the altar rail, I don't think that their situation was hopeless. Now when I think about it, I think that they knew something that I didn't. And that is that even though God doesn't always dramatically heal our diseases, God is constantly offering healing of the other kinds of pain and suffering that revolve around sickness. Who who knows what amazing things God was doing, God had already done for that family. Maybe he gave them strength to continue caring for her. Maybe the mother had moments of peace and joy that she otherwise wouldn't have expected. Maybe their marriage was strengthened. Maybe they received support and respite care from others in the parish. Who knows what God was doing? Who knows how God was healing? And I missed it because I was so focused on the physical peace that I forgot about the more important kinds of healing that could have been going on. So even as we continue to pray for physical healing for ourselves, for those we love, and as we continue to hold out hope for total healing... It's important not to miss the other kinds of healing that are going on. The faith of that family, the faith of the woman in the gospel story, opened them to the spiritual healing that is available to us every day if we're willing to ask for it. Amen.